Well, gang, look at Matthew 14. And tonight I want to talk to you about crisis. How many of you have ever experienced a crisis? How many of you would venture to say you've experienced a few moments of extreme crisis? I can guarantee you if you've got two or more kids living in your home at the same time, you've had some moments of extreme crisis. Now right now, very seriously, many of you are experiencing a time of crisis. Some have lost a job. Some are going through a marriage crisis. Some are experiencing business failure or reversal. Some of you are going through a time of family illness. Some of you have experienced unexpected tragedy and setback that struck you like a lightning bolt out of the sky. But what can we learn from crisis and what can we do to survive this global storm? Well, I love the story of Jesus walking on the water towards his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, right in the middle of a savage, life-threatening storm. And that story reveals to us what to do when you feel like you're going under, when crisis and chaos reigns, when fear grabs you by the throat and tries to drown you. Well, this story will tell us what to do. Matthew 14 verse 22 through verse 29. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending the people home, he went up into the mountains by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. You can imagine, and in the dark. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water, walking on the thing they were afraid of. Wow. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were a bit terrified, you think, right? They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, stop being afraid, take courage. I am here. And folks, he's here in your crisis who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Well, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me, come to you to walk on the water. And I'm thinking, Peter, what are you thinking? He probably was thinking before he thought, you know what I'm saying? Ever do that? Shot his mouth off before he thought about it. And Jesus says, okay, Pete, come. I mean, I would like some instructions, like am I going to do the breaststroke, the Australian crawl? Am I going to get a wave runner? You want me to ride Shamu? All Jesus said was come, not much instruction. So Pete went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, through the many years of my life, I've learned a few important things about the dynamics of surviving in crisis. Lesson number one. A crisis doesn't mean something's wrong with you or that you've done something wrong. Crisis doesn't mean God's mad at you, doesn't love you, or that God has rejected you. I hear the worst theology from people when they get in trouble. Crisis does not mean that if you were in the perfect will of God, you wouldn't have a storm. Crisis is a normal part of life and living. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. Struggle is the essence of growth and development. You know, a mighty oak 
begins with a little seed that's planted in the soil and it fights its way up to face the wind, rain, snow, and the hot blazing sun. Just endless adversity year after year to become a magnificent oak tree. Jesus commanded his disciples to get in the boat. He commanded them because I believe they saw the storm clouds approaching. They knew they were going to go into the teeth of a vicious storm, but they obeyed. They knew it meant struggle. They knew they were getting to move into some adversity. I mean, they're sailors. It meant they're about to face their worst fear. They're going to look death straight in the eye. Now, why did God command them to face that storm? Because it's only in the storm your faith can grow like only in a gym your muscles can grow. It's only when your faith is tested by fire that you discover how pure and authentic your faith really is. See, it's only when you're tested that your character can develop. Only in the storm can you discover the power of God to deliver you. How are you going to know he's a deliverer if you've never been in trouble? Only in the storm do you call on the Lord and find him to be your ever-present help in time of trouble. The storm develops your confidence, and as goes your confidence, so goes your capacity. Remember David? He had to whip a lion. Then he had to whip a bear before he faced the giant Goliath. And God has you fighting the fight you're in right now because it is a fight designed to increase your confidence in God. And when you win this fight, the next one will be a little larger, but you'll have confidence because you've got past victory. And when you win this one, you'll win the next one and the next one because God is transforming you from a little Bible-thumping bench warmer into a champion of God. See, God's up to something great in our lives. Jesus commanded the disciples to go before him to the other side. And the point is, their safe arrival on the other side was guaranteed. See, we're all sailing across the sea of life. And some of you are in a great storm right now. But listen, God didn't promise smooth sailing, but he did promise you're going to reach the other side. And notice Jesus didn't come immediately when they called. He allowed them to stay in that storm at least, I don't know, eight hours maybe, before he came to their assistance. They left the shore at sundown, which was probably 5, 6 p.m., and Jesus came walking to them on the water in the fourth watch. That could be anywhere from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Why didn't he come instantly? Surely he heard them crying out. Surely he saw them fighting the waves and the wind of the storm. Why didn't he come? Well, I've learned, and you'll learn too, God's delays are not God's denials. Just because God doesn't answer immediately doesn't mean he's not going to answer. He's waiting for persistence to overcome resistance in your life. He's trying to develop in you and me the character of endurance. Remember the scripture, you have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. See, those who endure to the end reap the reward of the promise of God. The resistance of water is necessary for a ship to float. The resistance of air is necessary for a plane to fly. The resistance of gravity is necessary for you and I to walk. God allows you to go through a struggle to develop you into who you're going to be in the kingdom of God. And listen to this. God used no one 
until they went through the university of adversity. You're going to have your adversity, but you're going to reach the other side. But God's going to make a champion of grace out of every one of you so that you might become a vessel of honor in the kingdom of God. Lesson number two, crisis and struggle actually have a profound spiritual purpose and meaning. Really. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, some wanted to kill him. And when he was sold a second time into Egypt to Potiphar's house, and when he was falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's desperate housewife of Egypt, and was sent to prison as an innocent man, how many of you know, dude, this is a crisis. This is an extreme major league struggle. Sitting in a prison cell year after year, knowing you are completely innocent of the charges. Well, I think Joseph had the right to pull on his curly hair and scream. Where is God when you really need him? Why is he so silent when I need to hear a word about why I'm going through this? Well, Almighty God saw the future, and Joseph, like you and I being human, could only see the day. The God we serve is too wise to make a mistake, too loving to be unkind, and he sees the world tomorrow. God saw the fruit of Joseph's struggle. Joseph didn't. God sent Joseph to Egypt as a slave to become prime minister because Jacob's family of around 70 people needed a place to become a nation of millions in 430 years. God needed a place to produce a nation that would produce in generations to come Messiah, that would crush the power of darkness and go to the cross and redeem the world from sin. Now, Joseph couldn't see that far, but God used the struggle and crisis and chaos and trouble in his life to change the destiny of the world. Wow. See, when you struggle, when you go through adversity, think about the possibility that God is using your struggle and adversity and ultimate victory to do something for the next generation that you might not live to see, but your children will remember how you responded and how you reacted to the mighty God of heaven who loves you. They're watching. Let's make sure they're confident in the next generation. They can weather any storm. See, you're planting trees beneath whose shade you'll probably never sit. Every opportunity has difficulty, and every difficulty has within it opportunity. It's only when you come to grips with difficulty you get to realize your potential. You got a problem? Well, thank God. The difference between a worthless empty shell on the beach and one that has a pearl in it is a tiny grain of sand that irritated it year after year after year. And that difficulty and that adversity and that constant source of irritation became a work of beauty that was priceless. Look at the struggle you're going through as a work of God's majestic art and know that He's going to transform it into a life-changing thing for the next generation. People are watching. Third lesson, crisis forces you to find a new way to face the future. Why? Because the things you trust in today will fail you tomorrow. People will fail you. 
Jesus' disciples said they would, you know, fight and die for him. Yeah, right. And days later, they were saying, I don't know the man. And people will often do that to you as well. How many brides and grooms have stood before God and man and made a covenant together? And they put their entire trust in another person, and that person broke the covenant and broke their heart. Painful, chaotic. What oceans of anger flood the human soul when that happens? Where is God to allow something like that to happen? Now listen, it's not the end of the world, okay? In time, your heart will heal. The sun will shine again. You will sing again. You will love again. Really, really. That reminds you of a woman named Abigail who was married to a man named Nabal in 1 Samuel chapter 25. He was abusive. He was mean. And God called him worthless. How would you like that resume, huh? David and his men helped defend the flocks of Nabal from the enemy. And yet he refused to let David's men have a sheep in order to eat. Well, old King David was hot and he wanted a piece of this guy bad. And Abigail interceded. And Abel, Abigail sorry, told this worthless man, her husband, that David was coming to settle the score. And the dude had a stroke and died on the spot. And Abigail met David. And David married Abigail. And the story ends happy, happy, happy. <laughs> good things still happen to good people. Praise God. You might think, oh, Rick, there's no answer for me. Ha, God's got a thousand answers you haven't even thought of. I'm saying the things in which you trust will often fail you. Won't work anymore. People will fail you. Things, methods, styles that used to work for you can fail you in the future. I wish the church could understand that. You know, technology, style, how we do church, that's even changing now. And there's things we did that worked in one season of life that won't work. You've got to be resilient. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be a wineskin that can give and take with that moving of fresh wine when God decides to do something new. If you're stiff, you'll just rupture and break. No good. Stay flexible, see? The boat in which the disciples had trusted all the years before, yeah, it was now failing them. The government may fail you. You know, Social Security may fail you. Scripture says the winds were contrary. And remember, this is a simple sailboat, folks. They don't have a 500-horsepower diesel engine. And now the winds are contrary. The thing that helped them yesterday and all the years before is now failing them today. So where do you go when the storms of life are greater than what you can endure, when the winds and waves are crushing your dreams? Where do you go in a crisis? You go to the one whom the winds and waves obey, and his name is Jesus. He rides on the wings of the storm. He holds the seven seas in the palm of his hand. He calls the stars by name. He measures the universe by the span of his hand. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the shelter in time of a storm. He's my fortress, my high tower, my deliverance, my rear guard in time of battle. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's the light of the world who has crushed the head of Satan and disarmed principalities and powers. You go to the one who is the great physician, 
who heals when all other natural physicians fail. When you think you can't take another step, when you think you can't live another day, God is the glory and lifter of your head. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I love this song we used to sing, All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Fourth lesson, ignore the winds and the waves. Don't focus on them. Stop looking at your circumstances. Start looking at your opportunity. Peter was doing just fine walking on the water in a raging storm. He was doing the impossible. And why? Because his eyes were fixed on Jesus Christ. He was walking towards the Son of God, walking on the Word come, who was and still is the answer. Years ago, we used to sing a song in church, I remember when I was younger, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Old Pete was doing just fine until he started looking at the size of those waves, listening to all the news media. And he started listening to the howling winds and neighbors and people talking in the office. And he turned on 10 o'clock news. He turned on the Weather Channel. You know, folks, you watch too much media, you'll go absolutely bat crazy. It's overload. Turn it off. Take your wife and a dog or something, get out of the house and at least go for a walk. Well, at least we're allowed to go out and do a walk. And fear grabbed him by the throat, old Pete, and he began to sing. And he knew death must be imminent. Now listen, when you focus on the threat, you're going to experience fear. When you focus on Jesus, you're going to experience faith. Now when fear knocks at your door, send faith to answer and nobody will be there. You know, a terrible temptation we all have in time of trouble is what I call catastrophic worship. Look how bad it's going to be. Look how big this problem is. Look how many teeth that lion has. What if the government does this? What if the government doesn't do that? What if the doctor says blah, 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 blah? Hey, Sparky, turn off the stock report. Turn off CNN and Fox News. Turn off the weather report. Stop saying what if and start saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can go through this crisis. It's not pretty, but I can make it. I can survive this financial reversal. It's bad now, but it won't stay bad forever. And I can do it because I'm standing on the solid rock. You remember that scripture in Matthew where Jesus talked about the man that built his house on sand and the storms came and blew it away? And the man who built his house on the rock and the winds and the storms and the floods came and after it, his house stood firm? And Jesus said, that wise builder is the man who listens to my word, not the news, and does it. And when the storms come, and they will, and the crisis comes, and it will, you'll still be standing. You will not fail. You will not be defeated. The victory is yours through Christ alone. Thank God.
Folks, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Do what you can with what you have, where you are right now. He conquers who thinks he can. The Bible puts it this way. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. Stop looking down and start looking up. Reach up for the hand of the maker of heaven and earth and do a little bit of water walking. Look at the next lesson, fifth one. Look for Jesus to show up in an unexpected way at an unexpected time. Always, always. Jesus came to the disciples in a very unexpected way. He hadn't been doing that before, walking on water. But he came now in a storm, in the dark, lightning, walking on the water. Now that's not something you see every Saturday night, folks. There's no walking on the water classes I've ever seen. And the point is, the thing that was about to destroy them, the storm, Jesus was using as a sidewalk to save them. The thing that you fear is about to destroy you, Jesus will take it and use it as a life raft to drag you back to the boat. You know, his birth in Bethlehem's manger was God's invasion of planet Earth. Let me tell you, it was an unexpected appearance through the womb of a virgin. Nobody saw it coming. The world was looking for a Messiah on a white horse with a sword, legions of combat warriors ready to fight Rome to the death. But God's answer came in a manger in a baby. The point is God will always bring to us the answer. And most of the time we'll miss it because we're looking in another direction and we're not expecting God to show up in the way He chooses. And you know, we want Him to show up Baptist. We want Him to show up Assembly of God. We want Him to show up Catholic. We want Him to show up, uh, I don't know, Primitive, Independent, Fundamental, Premillennial Baptist. We want Him to show up Lutheran. And God says, when I show up, I'll show up the way I want to show up. You can take it or leave it. Number six, lesson in a crisis. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That, that is over and over in Scripture. When Jesus spoke to them, He said, Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. And in the message, the message in your crisis from Jesus would be, Don't you be afraid of this crisis we're in. Yeah, be cautious, be concerned, but don't be afraid. The words Jesus used most were fear not. Fear not the past, it's forgiven. Fear not the future, I'm already there. Fear not your enemies, they shall come at you one way and flee seven ways. Fear not today, the Lord of hosts is with you. The blood of Jesus Christ is upon you. The word of God should be in your mouth. The angel of God encamps before you and behind you to deliver you. Folks, the President of the United States doesn't have that much security. Fear not crisis in governments. The earth governments of this world are not our hope. Our hope is in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And last, listen for the voice of the Lord to give you a word of divine guidance. Don't compare your word to somebody else. You're unique. God has a divine word for you. Now catch this picture in your mind. Peter's a professional fisherman. He's tough. 
He's lived his entire life on the Lake of Galilee. But his life is hanging in the balance. He knows he's about to drown. And then to add insult to injury, the other disciples are screaming, Get back in the boat, Peter! Are you nuts? Peter needs a word of direction. There's someone out in front of him on those stormy waters, and Peter thinks it's a ghost, and I'll tell you why. Because in the first century history, mariners believed that just before they would die, they would see a ghost. And Peter's thinking he's looking at death itself. His friends, oh, this is great friends, huh? Behind him are screaming, get back in the boat. Peter needs a word of direction. And folks, you're either going to walk on the water or you're going to stay in the boat as a boat potato, a pew potato, a house potato. See, one word saved Peter's life. Come. A lot of people want to hear from the Lord something that starts with angels and trumpets and technicolor visions and something twice as elegant, eloquent as the Declaration of Independence. But all God had was one word. Come. Have you asked the Lord to give you a word of direction? A word of revelation about your future? Hmm? Your family, your job, your career, your business? Ask and you shall receive. See, here's a good lesson I learned. Dudley Hall brought this to my attention many, many years ago. When the disciples were told to go to the other side and they were rowing, they were going back as much as they were going forward with the wind against them. But what we've learned over the years is that when God gives you a word, you walk in that word until God gives another word. No matter what's going on, you walk in the last word God gave you because he hasn't changed his mind. If he does change his mind, he'll give you a word. Peter stepped out of his comfort zone. Peter stepped away from what was familiar, and he did something he had never done in his life. He experienced faith on a level he had never exercised before. And God's asking some of you watching this broadcast to get out of your comfort zone. Start walking by faith towards Jesus and begin to live your life without limits. Stop allowing your past to control your future. Listen for God's word of direction. You got time at home? Read some scripture. It will always be very simple and very clear. And when you hear his voice, that crisis will cease. The black clouds will roll back and the sun will shine again. Your sorrow will dissipate and surrender to joy unspeakable, full of glory. Are you in a storm? Are you in a time of crisis? Listen for the sound of that still, small voice of God that can change your life forever. It won't be a shout. It'll be a whisper. Because when you hear that simple voice, that single word of direction, your whole life can change forever. Would you pray with me? Just bow your head for a second. How many of you watching this broadcast need to hear a word from God for your life today? You need direction. Maybe you need comfort, instruction, or some inspiration. How many would say, Rick, because of this crisis in my life and the problem that's been in my life so long, I'm starting to feel like a spiritual failure. I'm feeling maybe God's angry at me. I need to feel the love and the peace and the presence of God in a new and a fresh way. 
How many could say the things you've trusted in in the past are now failing you? And you're allowing the things of the past to control your present. You need to forget the past and start a new chapter in your life today. And with God's help, this day is going to be the best day of the rest of your life. And finally, how many would say, I need to stop looking at how big the storm is and start looking at how big God is and recognize I am ultimately going to prevail and win in this struggle. I want to pray. And I'd like you to join me. You can do it. You can pray right out loud in the living room if you're gathered there in your office. Say, Heavenly Father, I come into your presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you today for a word of divine direction for my life, maybe for my business. Lord Jesus, I've been in this struggle so long, I feel like a failure. I want to feel your love, your peace, and your presence fresh in my heart. The things I've trusted in in the past are failing me now. But from today forward, I refuse to allow the past to control my future. Lord Jesus, my eyes are upon you, not the storm, not the crisis, not the adversity. My eyes are on you. You are my helper. You are my redeemer. You are my savior. And I receive you now in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord make his face shine upon you and may the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. May the Lord give you a word from heaven about your future, about your life, and about the direction you're supposed to take at this time. May you feel his presence, his anointing, with a special fire from God. And may you begin looking forward to exciting things soon in the future God's going to do in your life. In Jesus' name, I bless you with this blessing. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.